Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Julia Show, my talk 107. Want everything entertainment. Hard to believe in just one week I'll be saying live at the Minnesota State Fair. Gloria and Julia Show. Bonnie, I'm getting excited. Are you? Yeah, I really okay. am. Don't forget to bring your little umbrella. <laughs> oh, don't even worry about it. I mean, concert, I'm buying tickets. Con- I mean, Our I, I, signage is up, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I've been out there. The, the staff. The only day I really worry about is that Donnie and I are doing the show on Labor Day. I told Julia, I said, well, I, I, there's two segments I, we can do. I'm going to Lionel Richie Friday night and Brandy Carlisle Saturday. So we'll have <laughs> Take good those two fun. things. <laughs> That's just a hard day to work. Yeah. yeah remember the one we didn't by. have to work? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. Like eight years we yeah, didn't have to know, be out there. Anyway, it's a whole new world. It is a whole new world. Whole new world. So right, how is the hot soccer game? I experienced Minnesota United FC, a.k.a. the Minnesota Loons soccer at Allianz Stadium. How'd you get your tickets? I won them at work. See? Yeah, it was a real raffle we had here. I won them at work and I sat next to a couple colleagues, but I'm telling you what, that is a fun thing to go to the stadium seats about eighteen thousand four hundred people to be exact wow did you take a tour um no it was just a little factoid i plugged in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. it we took um the light rail from work which drops you off right in front of it that's so perfect um one of the most interesting things i saw when we were leaving is a man you know how people wear cheese heads or they wear the viking hat with the horns Mm -hmm. here they just wear a stuffed loon with a hole cut out of it. It's a loon hat. Ooh. A loon <laughs> and I, hat. I caught the loon man walking by me <laughs> is with that the their, sunset. Is that what they are? The They're loons? the Minnesota loons. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I that's didn't know. Their nickname, the loons. Yeah. But why do you call them United? What's that's, their official name? That's the official Minnesota See, is, United FC. Okay, this is always what's confused me about <laughs> soccer in, saying, in, in other countries is they have these long names they don't have like name names like a man like a vikings manchester ukr7 well well, no that's not quite true manchester united is also the red devils okay but nobody knows that well well, unless you're there i know but but i'm just saying that why minnesota vikings are the minnesota vikings yeah they're the vikings that's what i'm saying i get it i've been confused because i'm like are they trying to post things united loons or what are they well minnesota at minnesota united mn united fc is how you do that oh boy i literally couldn't and i was trying to do a little i think the media. loons is you know i mean that's cute did you see our insta post so there last night was so gorgeous oh it was in the course of like 15 minutes i took a man with a loon on his head in the sunset i had a picture of the beautiful full moon and i had a picture of the witch's hat 
You know, oh, Prospect, Prospect Park, Park. Mm-hmm. We always looks so pretty. It, they're fun. Those yeah. games are fun. Yeah. And how are the prices inside? Um, great. I mean, you know, they're. Are they like twins and Viking prices? Or are they a little bit less because it's soccer and they're trying I, to be. The tickets are way less. Okay. And it's, yeah. I'm going to tell people I didn't. Um, you didn't pay for a thing. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, so. it doesn't matter. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. But I was just going to say, if you go, I would just say they've got this whole end. Like one of the end zones or one of the goal mm-hmm. sites, it's called the Brew Hall, which is a bar from end to end with a kitchen with good quick food and picnic tables with tons of TVs. Doesn't matter where your seats are. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. you can sit in there and have fun. And it's men, 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 father, sons, yeah, little kids, but men are. We're talking eighty percent guys. Eighty percent guys, mm-hmm. and I'd say average age forty. Nice. Mm-hmm. Right. So if people. You know, the women out there. You're looking to flirt. It's a manorama. Mm-hmm, and the games are quick. They're 90 minutes. Oh, that is sweet. So they're down. Even here. I could handle this sporting event. And every seat's a good seat there. Yeah. Because it's really close. And the one end on the opposite side of the brew hall is like the cheering section. They have the flags. Is they that, do the Is stomping. that the side closest to the freeway or the opposite? The side closest to the freeway. Okay. And those people do all your cheering and for they you. They stand the entire. Yeah. So you don't have to do the cheering even. Nice. They wave flags. They do everything. <sighs> it's fun. Yeah, I, I really think that's a fun thing. Okay, well, good. Yeah. I'm glad you went. Donnie and Loved I have to it. go. We, unless you've been, no, I'm can't shocked. get tickets. You play soccer. You know your the only soccer? tickets I've ever seen, even on the resale sites, are the places where you have to stand. That's not. That's not true. I went yesterday. I could have gotten a seats for forty. I don't bucks. know. I, I was I just on it yesterday. Yeah, I think you got to go. Yeah, to the but you got to be careful. They may be forty dollars, but where are they? Well, like I said, there's this thing called the Brew Hall. It doesn't matter where you're sitting, is what she's saying. Every seat's a good no, seat. No, but but the, a lot of the forty dollars are in the end where you, it's standing only. You stand for the entire game. I'm okay, not doing that. All right. Well, I'm just going to say they okay. had really good value tickets, and they if people think they're sold out, there still are tickets available. I like that. that. In I saw them in all different ranges all over. Yeah, it's fun. Good. Liked it. I liked it. I liked it. I hardly ever. Get jealous of anybody for anything. Are you jealous of me for once? No. No, I'm not. Not of the soccer. I'm jealous of my friend. I can't believe it. When are you ever going to be jealous of me? I don't know. You have been once. I I, feel it. Do you? Yeah. All right, if you say so. (laughs) Before you are part of my great family, maybe you were jealous of my great family. No, because you kept me arm's length from your brothers, and I only got to meet the females in your family. Well, weren't you jealous of those great women? No, I enjoyed meeting them. I was happy to know them. No, I was jealous. I, I was a big pang of jealousy. My my uh, friend Jean, who go to the Blues Fest with, and she says to me on Friday, she says, yeah, it's not going to be too, um, I won't be too sad when the Blues Fest is over because Tuesday morning I'm flying to Seattle. That's where her daughters live, and I'm going to see the Rolling Stones at uh, Century, Century Lake Stadium. Stadium in Seattle where the Ooh, Seahawks geez. play. And I was like, wow. you're going to see my boyfriend? She goes, no, he's my boyfriend. And so anyway, she I guess the show last night, they hadn't been in Seattle for 13 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, Minneapolis, what was that, four years ago yes. for us that they were here? Um, I guess it was 
awesome, amazing. The stage looked amazing. The stage looked amazing. I guess they started with a, just a spotlight and Mick locked eyes with Ronnie Wood and they ripped into dead flowers. And of course, they ended with I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Mick was peeling off the clothes, including a pink leather jacket. No mesh shirt was worn, unfortunately. But I guess it was absolutely, you know, 48,000 people. It's so energetic. He can work a room. He can work a stadium, that Mac. Well, I mean, nobody dances like he does. Hello, nobody moves like Jagger. But I guess he wasn't overly chatty. He did a a string of local food references, Dick's, which is an amazing burger place that people in the Seattle area are crazy for. Okay. Dick's Burgers, Seattle Dogs, and Gooey Ducks. What are Gooey Ducks? Gooey Ducks are... uh, I've gotten Gooey Duck... uh, Digging, they're clams. They're oh, extraordinarily big clams, and they have a big long neck that looks like a elephant penis or something coming out of a out of a big clam shell, if you will. And when I you, think the size might be off a little bit for that description, no, an elephant penis is coming out of a clam shell. That's what a gooey duck looks like. Google it. It is this big muscular. Ah, I feel like we've trunk. talked about the gooey duck before because when you gooey duck. You make these holes. You know, have you have you guys ever gone clam digging? No. Okay, well, <laughs> there's an art to it, but gooey okay. ducks, you have to you get really deep, yep. and you have to put your arm way down, and then you pull, 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 pull up the neck. Mm. I'm just so gross. Anyway, out. so he made references to that. I, anyway, I guess it was just a fabulous, oh. a fabulous show, and everybody sounded great, and Lucas Nelson opened, uh, and... <gasps> Huh? You see it, Donnie? Yeah, no, I'm, they're obscene. Oh my God. They're the most obscene. Oh I can't believe you would ever do this, Lori. You never reached Sorry, your I hand down. I, no, no, you I didn't. never do this. My, 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 my stepdad did, but no. And you'll see him at Pike Place Market. And you eat these. Yeah, it's like a, you, you chop them up. It's like a clam. It's, I suppose it's a clam taste. It's an extra big clam with a lot of meat to it. But anyway, this Lucas Nelson... He played four minutes of a scorching guitar solo with it. Yeah, that's uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, who didn't allow their performance to be in the Woodstock Festival, so people will forget they were the opening act at Woodstock. And this song, Fortunate uh, Son? That, that's not correct. Not correct? No. Creedence? No, I've seen Credence perform in the Woodstock documentary. But in the official one, at the very first one that came out, that thing, it, it wasn't. They didn't allow themselves to be in. Okay. So people didn't know that Credence was yeah. at, you know, the festival, and this was a big song, Summer '69. Fifty years ago. That's yeah, it's right. actually a protest song. Yeah, he's All right. talking about because it was during the draft in That's Vietnam, and he's right. saying, "How can the senator's son?" Doesn't have to go. That's right. I'm not that requires son. you to listen to words. Uh, yeah, exactly. I never yes. know exactly. what any of these songs are about, but what we do know. Oh, boy. Leah Remini calling we, it a day on Scientology in the aftermath. This made me sad um, that she's going to be ending it with a two-hour um, live show that's going to be airing on Monday, August 26th on A&E. Yeah, she just said um, it's. she had a very explosive interview, and I will call it explosive because that girl likes to swear. 
Oh, I didn't think it was an explosive well, interview. Well, just she swears. She swears more than we I swear. Yeah. I had to cross out all the bad words. But all right. she really has done an amazing job exposing Scientology. 36 episodes mm-hmm. is what they've done. And she said that the meddling from Scientology had become problematic. And she and Mike Rinder wanted to take a further abuses in a new yet-to-be-announced effort. Right. She said Scientologists can believe whatever the bleep they want, but they can't just do whatever the bleep they want. And I guess this finale, we're going to see a number of ex-Scientologists sharing stories of abuse, which we've seen all throughout. But what we're also going to see is that uh, the accusations of rape against uh, actor and Scientologist Danny Masterson will be included in the two-hour special as will footage of interviews with two of the four women who filed a civil case against him in L.A. County Court today. Right. There was one that was filed by a woman on June 18th. Yes. Um, is she is she suing Miscavige, the Church of Scientology, and, and Danny. Danny. And then now this is the second one with the remaining uh, women that are filing against him, but also against Scientology and against Miscavige. And I really... I just, in reading it all, there's a lot to unpack here about what she's doing and why she's ending it. I mean, basically, she thought the FBI and the police would be, and the IRS would be able to do stuff because so many of these stories, they had people on record, they had documentation, and she thought that there would be, that they'd start doing something about it. And she was shocked that they haven't. Well, that's because Scientology has about $3 billion uh, to fight anything legally, and so I, I bet, I bet the A and E lawyers worked overtime on this show. Well, and that's kind of it. She alluded to that kind of that the show isn't how we want it to be anymore. Even this final one, she didn't have a hundred percent rights to edit yeah. it at the end, and she said it's kind of like. We're kind of saying, Uncle, on this way to get at Scientology, and we're going to find a different way to help the young children Good. and help people get out. But we're saying, Uncle, here because of the power of Scientology and their nonstop harassment, harassment of the advertisers of A&E, the advertisers of the show, the of people the people who are on. on, that have talked to us and have come out against Scientology. And it's just nonstop harassment. It would be like... I mean, some of the things that they described, like... Well, here she said, I don't know if this is going to be part of the show. She's telling The Hollywood Reporter, Leah Remini is saying this. I don't remember the number of people in the audience, but they were all ex-Sea Org members. And these are the Scientology people who sign a billion-dollar-a-year contract and then just work for nothing. And if they try to leave, Scientology makes it hell for them. Mm -hmm. It's bad. They try and position as something good, but it's like you're the ultimate sucker. And a lot of times... See, or people are people who've been born into it. I mean, or been dragged into it as kids, like Leah Remini. But she said, "I asked at this taping how many of you have had a sexual crime committed against you in Scientology or in Sea Org, or know of somebody who was assaulted or raped." And every single person raised their hand. That's just the seventy. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to 
UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Five or so people who are in the audience. One girl stood up and she told me she knows 11 people personally who took their lives. Now, most people are, not, are blessed not to have one person in their life mm-hmm. that right. they know. 11 and the thread is Scientology. Right. So she said it shows you what kind of an organization we're dealing with and how they obstruct justice. The work's not done. We're not going to stop working. And she was asked by the Hollywood reporter, what do you think is the tipping point for Scientology to lose their tax exempt status mm-hmm. as a religion? She said, they don't have the truth on your side. When you don't have truth on your side and you talk, bleep, and bully more than anything, you don't have much strength. And people are smarter than Scientology believes. There are lawsuits. I think they're going to lose in courts. They'll have to pay for their sins. I believe that with every fiber of my being. Right. And so... I I want it to be so. I know. I want it to be so. And I think that um, the other thing that she talks about, Lori, is that I thought this was a good question um, they asked her because she, again, was in Scientology for a very long time and went in as a, as a young girl. 30-some years. Yeah. She was 11. And she only um, questioned Scientology when she went to the 2000 and was it five wedding of um, Tom. Tom Cruise and uh, Katie Holmes and Shelly Mescovesh, her good friend, wasn't there. She had the audacity to ask at the table, where's Shelly? Where's Shelly? And since then, she then was taken back, and she was seen as a bad person, suppressive person. They put her in um, Florida. Extra course training. Florida, she had to pay like $100,000 because she asked the question, and she was just... It's been like a 10-year process with Scientology slowly unraveling because that wedding also... The Tampa Bay Times did a big expose in 2009 that uh, got all kinds of more eyes going on mm-hmm. at the Lawrence Wright, the New York Times bestselling author, going clear. Then we get the Alex Dibney going clear HBO movie. And then Leah and Mike with the A&E, there might have been people who tuned in just to see what is all this Tom Cruise Scientology, you know, what is it all about? You might have just turned in as a looky loo, but that audience built uh, it built up, and I mean, it won. It's so compelling. It was so compelling because you cannot believe these stories. And even Leah Remini said, "I didn't know this was going on." Right, and it's so believable, and it yeah. was so heart wrenching to see what this so-called religion is doing to people. Uh, yeah, Mike Rinder points out in his blog that uh, the ho- he thanked the Hollywood community for voting and standing behind them. They've won an Emmy, a PGA, a TCA, two Gracie Awards. So we'll be watching that. And of course, uh, Scientology uh, said, uh, she called Leah a pure hate machine. She has blood on her hands. And she's generated assassination threats against the leader of the Scientology. This song came out in the summer of 69. That's right. Love that song. 
I do too. There are a lot of good songs. I, Summer 69. I can't Boy. believe it. Bobby Gentry sang Fancy, which Reba McIntyre later made a number one hit. Yeah, it was the follow up to, oh, to Billy Joe. Yeah. I have no idea how that song goes. Fancy. We'll Fancy. hear it later in yeah, our show. We'll, we'll be watching it. We're doing, yeah. we're doing a really. Because it's big, big today's the yes. official anniversary of Woodstock. So Billboard came up with the list of what they think are the best songs of the summer of 69. Summer of 69. All mm-hmm. right, so here's something exciting. We talked about it earlier in the week that Coon Rapids um, Little League team is playing in the Little League World Championship. 16 teams from around the country are going to be going. Oh, and Coon Rapids. They're playing tonight at 6 o'clock against um, the Great Lakes region. We are the Midwest region. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yes, Ooh. that's where it's going to be. But exciting is this team has a, a young girl on it right. maddie freaking and she is a second baseman or person and um she started i mean that's hard yeah. to say isn't it yeah. so she started playing be good to play second on the team when she was 10 <laughs> and she's 12 now and she will become just the 19th girl in history to play in the 72 year history oh. of little league world series remember in 2014 when mo davis the pitcher pitched oh, yeah. away into the cover of sports illustrated mm-hmm. so uh, Maddie is really just, you know, no, she's just, I'm playing baseball. Yep. No, yes, no. You know, matter of fact, mm-hmm. and her coach has already talked to her. If the press starts coming around you and this gets to be too big of a thing, we'll get them away yeah. from you. She loves, loves, loves playing second base. And her coach mm-hmm. said she's a vacuum. She can get anything uh-huh. around her. Well, you have to be, I never could play second base. You have Glory. to be good. I was. I could pitch. This is always interesting. I could pitch and then no, just like softball Mm -hmm. games. I could pitch. I was pretty okay because I could aim. And then if I did have to play the field, you know, the field behind first base, and then pray. No one hits you and and say to the center fielder, "Catch it if I scoot over." And the first baseman run back. Right field. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she just she. But you you really do have to be a good ball player to be second, right? In anywhere yeah. in field, yeah. you got to be good. Mm-hmm. You got to be good on the team because if you can run for balls in the outfield too, it's hard. As te- uh, the teams get older, the kids get older to hide a bad player. Oh yeah, I know. it becomes See, worse. This is just neighborhood games, right? Yeah. No, but this is little little league. league. So no, she, I get it. I get so it. She plays volleyball and basketball when she's not doing it. She doesn't want a lot of attention. She, um, her friends keep asking her, "Would come on and play with the girls and play um, softball?" And she's like, "Ah, eh. baseballs." I always thought baseball would be easier than softball because your hands are so small and they could go around a baseball better. And she said she's been playing for longer and she doesn't feel like changing. She's a Twins fan. Well, I hope she's sport. okay with all this publicity you're giving her right now. Well, I'm excited <clears throat> for Maddie. I'm just saying. You just said she didn't want any publicity. Well, well, it's a big story in the paper. I'm not talking to her. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're not going to go up to her and talk to her and yeah. bug her and get her off her game while she is ready yeah. to perform there. Right. So that's so is this just the beginning round of yes. this? Yes. So it's, yeah. yes. It's actually eight teams from the U.S. and eight teams from foreign countries. Awesome. That's how it works. That's some stiff competition if these are the best teams. I know. You know? Be, it's so anyway. Guaranteed two games because it's double eliminations. All, All right. right. Good. So that's happening now. In the meantime, oh, over in the coincidence, convenience, conspiracy corner of Jeffrey Epstein, which they're now not calling a suicide, they're calling a death investigation yes, they because are. there are so many convenient coincidences that are contributing to the conspiratorial chatter that's out there about how he and died. How, how he died. So here's a little bit 
all CBS, ABC, they all are covering it. In the it was first breaking day. news this morning. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. So here we go. New details about the death of accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein, who died by an apparent suicide last weekend. An autopsy revealing that Epstein sustained multiple breaks in his neck bones. Two people familiar with the findings told the Washington Post. Among the bones broken in Epstein's neck was the hyoid bone, which in men is near the Adam's apple. NBC News has not independently verified this information. Jonathan Arden, president of the National Association of Medical Examiners, telling the Post, if hypothetically the hyoid bone is broken, that would generally raise questions about strangulation, but it is not definitive and does not exclude suicidal hanging. NBC's Dr. John Torres adding, it can happen in both strangulation and hanging, but occurs more often in strangulations. Studies show it occurs about one-third of the time in strangulations and 25% in hangings. So pretty slim because you're slipping up. Let's face it, this guy had help. He did have help. He had help and uh, the, the reports are from his lawyer that he was making peace with the fact he was not getting out of jail. Right. He Ever. was going to cooperate and start singing, oh, as boy. they say, yep. in exchange for maybe going not to a, nice to a super one mm-hmm. federal super penitentiary, max. that maybe going to some place, you know, for, for whatever mm-hmm. kind of little... Some place by the sea in Connecticut. Well, no, I don't know. Like some place with a couple windows. But yeah, that he was not talking like that, mm-hmm. that he had said that his previous cellmate had assisted him with the first incident that happened. And well, here, let's play the next thing from oh, the okay. Today Show. Meantime, a source close to the case is confirming to NBC News that Epstein's body has been claimed by an unnamed associate of Epstein from the New York City Medical Examiner's Office. Mm-hmm. This it's comes as the, the federal judge in charge of Epstein's prosecution says Epstein's earlier apparent suicide attempt has never been definitively explained and wants more information, according to a letter to the prison warden obtained by NBC News. A month after speaking exclusively to today, Jennifer Arose is now suing Epstein's longtime associate, Ghislaine Maxwell, three unnamed female staffers, and Epstein's estate. Maxwell has repeatedly denied allegations she helped Epstein create what prosecutors have described as a sex trafficking ring of underage girls. Arose writing in a New York Times op-ed, Standing up to the entrenched network of power and wealth that surrounded Epstein is scary. But I am no longer afraid. She's in this for the long haul. She's committed um, to seeing justice be done, not just for herself, um, but for, for all the other victims of Mr. Epstein and, and the victims of the enablers. I mean, listen, I mean, I'm glad that she's doing that and not backing down. Good for her. And she's been I've seen her on a few different yeah, shows. Too. She was like 14 when she entered into his orbit and yes. everything horrible happened to her. But. Everything I would say that the three of us know about autopsies and how crimes can be staged to look like suicide. We know from oh, yeah. Law and Order, on TV. Bones, yeah. and The Closer. Yeah. We need Brenda Lee yeah. to investigate. <laughs> Brenda Lee Johnson? Yes, we do, because multiple breaks in your neck bones? Mm-hmm. Uh, that t- That is shady as hell. How is well, it possible you- for a man to hang himself and break multiple breaks? Neck bones. That's like something. Uh, I haven't ruled it out, but it's so no. But they did change it from suicide to, to death, death investigation. investigation, and the coroner will not confirm. And you don't think 
that he had, he paid someone to help off him. No, because... You don't. No, no. You would try and get pills. You would try and not go a violent way. Yeah, that's true. That that would be my messy. take on that. So they're saving the Poison, first time. I'd take a cyanide thing, mm. you know, that would be... Uh, and the first time around, we thought it was an attempted suicide by him. It no. really was his roommate strangling him. Yes, Hmm. And yesterday we learned that Prince Andrew cut short his time at Balmoral with the Queen to leave on a private jet that he went with Fergie to Spain. And here's the headline in the sun, Julia. Andy's Fergie time. Fergie takes panicked Prince Andrew on romantic holidays after disturbing Jeffrey Epstein uh, revelations. And royal insiders... Revealed to the sun that Andrew, now this is a quote, you guys, is starting to panic, poop himself, <laughs> but they used a different word, <laughs> yeah. over renewed attention after his death in a New York jail while awaiting for sex trafficking. He has been fairly relaxed up to now, the source said, about Prince Andrew, but now he's starting to bleep himself. Oh, it's become the biggest story in the world, and he's at the heart of the coverage. Well... I would say that a member of the royal family finding themselves in a position where he feels like he wants to crap himself is about as far from royal as possible. Well, I'm just, I just was writing down staining his panties. Yeah, I can't imagine what the queen is thinking. Oh my gosh. Of having her son make headlines that he is starting to crap himself. That is the headline. That's not pretty. No. Oh, it's not pretty at all. I mean, should royals want to ask themselves, uh, why, why was Prince Andrew's friends for such a long time with a registered sex offender and child molester who died under ex- extremely mysterious circumstances? And, and then why- someone took the body, though, Lori. Yeah. That is the part that I No, like- no, somebody claimed. claimed somebody it. claimed. But who? Somebody who has the right to claim him. Maybe he's got his a brother? brother. We know he has a brother. Probably his brother. We they know don't he has just his let- brother because his brother was part of owning yes. that apartment building that yeah. all the activities happened in. Yeah, don't let uh, the fact that somebody claimed him distract you from everything I else just that's wanted, going on. I think it would be more interesting if he was stolen. Yeah, well, you know. I'm <laughs> that not- would add to the conspiracy, yeah. whatever your other thing's convenience. <laughs> I mean, at no point in this summer article did the sun declare well royals don't poop themselves because their name keeps coming up in relation with underage girls they forgot to point that out they instead pointed out in another story about the carbon imprint harry and megan took by taking a private jet to ibiza but say nothing about prince andrew escaping on his private jet to spain why did they have to escape because uh when prince philip showed up a week early to balmoral he hates fergie Mm. He will not be around Fergie. She's not allowed. And so the queen lets Fergie stay at Balmoral with Andrew. Yes. Because those two are basically... Well, they're divorced, are they? No, but they always hang out together. Yeah. They're together. So, anyway. So that Prince Andrew is starting to himself. That is... (laughs) (laughs) He's in trouble. (laughs) Well, I don't know how... You know, I mean, the thing with that... It is now his word against a dead man, but he is in all this documentation... And who knows what Epstein had at that private island? Who knows what kind of videos they found? Well, that was the other thing that they're talking about, that he must... He had tapes and he'd use it if he needed to blackmail anybody. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. Julia. All right. It's- and, and I feel like um, former President Bill Clinton already had his shame yesterday because his photo broke late in the day. Well, that's a, re- that- that's a reimagined thing that somebody said that Epstein had a oh. painting of Bill Clinton lounging in a chair in a blue dress. With high uh-huh. heels on. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. it's pretty dress. funny looking. I get it. Yeah, but that's that's not a real picture. It was like someone just said, I've been to Epstein's Manhattan town. Let home. me give you an idea. And in the, the foyer, he's got, and I was like, oh boy, I wonder if that's true. You know? Yeah. All right. TBD. Okay. That's well, this some is, interesting this- art choices. This- <laughs> <laughs> Or right. if it was a velvet painting. Oh boy! <laughs> All right, listen, we got to go. We are gonna. We are talking with Fiona Davis next. Uh, her book, kind of a historical fiction, I guess, yeah. about a time in history. Yeah, that on, yeah we're glad we didn't live in. That's right. Chelsea Girls is the name of the book. We'll be right back. I want you to rule my life. You to rule my life. You to rule my life. Yeah. I want you to rule my nights. You to rule my nights. Yeah. All of my nights. Yeah. I want you to bring it all on. If you make it all wrong, that I make it all right. Yeah. I want you to rule my life. You to rule my life. You to rule my life. Book. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. It's brought to us by Winding Trail Books, which is located in Milton Square in St. Anthony Park, your neighborhood book and gift store. And of course, you can buy your copy of our latest great summer book that we have on today. We are happy to have Fiona Davis, who is national best-selling author of maybe you read Masterpiece or The Dollhouse. We yeah. just finished The Chelsea Girls, and it was wonderful. Thanks, Fiona, for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, gosh. This is, give everyone the setup of the book before we start talking about this is a unique book, and we've never really read anything on this time period. Mm-mm. Oh, great. Yeah, so the Chelsea Girls um, takes place, it starts in the 1940s, and um, two women meet on a USO tour. They're both actresses, and they move to New York, and they want to put a play on Broadway during the McCarthy era. And a lot of the action is centered around the the very famed Chelsea Hotel in New York City on 23rd Street. And, you know, first of all, I mean, I just, we enjoyed your book so much. It was, it was just wonderful. And I kind of, I like how they meet. And then as they get to Broadway and they move into this hotel and they're kind of, you know, exploring being, having some independence, you know, even though they're kind of yeah. expected to get married, go to or go to college, find a husband, that kind of thing. But I was fascinated at the whole, how, you know, the House Un-American Committee, I don't know if, you know, people remember that about how people were targeted in the entertainment industry For about being, being communists. And, yes. and that was just such an interesting part of the story. Was that a lot of research for you when writing the book, I mean, because you really make us feel that pain and tension. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought it was a really unique period in history. And yes, I, I interviewed a number of actors and acting teachers who are in their 90s now, including Lee Grant and the actor Michael Howard, um, and, and to find out what life was like then. And for some of them, you know, they were right on the cusp of these amazing careers and then because they were brought before the House on American Activities Committee and they didn't name names, meaning they didn't, you know, tell what other friends they have who might have been involved in the Communist Party as back as, you know, the 5th, the 30s. 
um, because they didn't. They, they were blacklisted and they couldn't work for years and years and couldn't support their families. It was a dire situation. It Is really, that when people went to stage, though, that they would have to leave, like leave their radio and TV thing, entertainment things, and like try and, okay, maybe I can make some money on Broadway? Was there a shift that way? It was interesting because, yes, TV and radio, definitely there was this blacklist. There was a, a publication called Red Channels that listed all the actors and organizations that were suspect. If you were on that, you were in big trouble. Um, and yes, yeah, some actors went to Broadway. Broadway was in general more inclusive and more welcoming, but even still it was sort of a gray list mm-hmm. where if you were really controversial, they, they wouldn't put you on the stage. So actors, actors like Uta Hagen, who, who was a, a phenomenal actress, had to go and do work in the regional theater sure. um, because it was, it was tricky. You know, um, Fiona, thanks for being with us. For people who are just joining us, the book is Chelsea Girls. And the friendship between Hazel and Maxine, these two completely different women who end up in Naples at a USO camp. Tour. You know, tour. Yeah. It really, I really loved their friendship. And boy, it went through a lot. And I, you just felt, you really went through at the beginning it was so joyful kind of how they were discovering each other and we were so excited for hazel and what she was going to be doing and maxine seemed so bubbly and vivacious and then when you go through all that tension of what was going on at the time period being thought of as a russian spy you could just feel it and it just felt so daunting and so horrible for all of these people like it really right. just scary times. Like they don't even know you, but you were this because you were seen here talking to that person. Right. And they were bugging your phone. They were going, the FBI were bugging your phone or going through your trash. And, and yeah, it is a, it's a book about friendship and betrayal and, and the way the political scene can kind of get involved and, and meshed with the artistic scene. And, and how do you stay true to yourself? Right. All that. Did you do research on the FBI, like, you know, to get into some of the spy things or, or for that part of the story? Yeah, there were a number of really interesting books I read because there were spies and there were secrets being stolen, but not by the actors. And mm-hmm. so looking at what the FBI were doing, and there's an FBI, sort of someone who wants to be an FBI agent in the book who's a a big character. Yes. Um, it was really interesting to see what they went through as they tried to maneuver the political situation and stay true to what, what their goals were, which was to, you know, make America safe. Yeah. What I, a difficult time. I, I just, know, well, yeah. it's, the book is just, it's I mean, so good. It, yeah, it is really, <laughs> you know, their friendship is just so how it, how everything changed in their lives and really what the changes that they see as, young women in the 40s and then going because the book goes on through you know another 20 years and the changes they see going into the 60s and and being a young woman playwright yeah and just new york city i yep. love that whole scene you know <laughs> right yeah yeah the chelsea hotel was just this hotbed of political and artistic intrigue which was just the perfect location because so many famous people have stayed there is it still an operating hotel it is. You know, it's under renovation. It was bought by a corporation. It's, yeah. it's being turned into kind of a boutique hotel, which of course it is. is a little worrying. Yes, <laughs> yeah. of course it is. Um, I'm curious, did you name your characters Hazel and Maxine? Because 
like the year these ladies would have been born, those were the most popular names. I'm just curious about that. You bet. That's the first thing I do. I go to Google and I type in popular names for whatever that year was that they would have been born. Mm-hmm. And you just get so many fun ones to, to choose from because names change so much over the decades. Yeah, because I, I do. I was like, oh, I kind of love Hazel. Oh, and I, I wish Mabel would make a comeback. They, some people <laughs> yeah, are. I, I feel love like Mabel. I feel like they are. Do you, Fiona and Fiona? I mean, that's a fun name, yeah. too. Um, Fiona, when yeah. you're out, because I know this book just came out. Um, doing your book tours, what are have has anyone come up to you and said, "Gosh, I remember this period, and it was this or this, or you know, has anyone you been?" Know, yeah, you know, you the the what's sad is that generation are really you know they're they're passing away. Yeah. They're in their nineties now, um, so not yet. But but for each book, because you know, one book went into the Barbizon Hotel for Women, so I got so mm-hmm. many readers. Who would come to to my book talks and say, "Yes, I I lived in the Barbizon Hotel." For the dollhouse, yes. Gibbs secretary. Yeah, that was exactly. the dollhouse. Yeah, I think so did we fun. talk to you, Fiona? I, I feel like we had you on for, for this the dollhouse. Maybe I not. Think we did. I think we I think did because yeah. I remember that book about the Barbizon. Same. Yeah, we love that too. Yes. All right, so Fiona, what was the last great book you read? Ooh, such a good question. I loved Ask Again. Yes. Um, by Mary Beth Keene. Oh, it's a beautiful family story and so well written. I'm I'm just going back and rereading it. Actually, okay. So and Fiona, any of your books, um, Chelsea Girls or Masterpiece Dolls, anything's been option. Anything going to Hollywood? You know, we've gotten a number of bites, so All fingers right. crossed. Okay. I I love that idea. Yeah, so do we. We can see it. So fun talking to you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, Fiona. Take care. The book is oh. the Chelsea Girls. Bye, Fiona Thank Davis. You, my pleasure. Yep. All right, listen, we come back. Do you have um, a couple copies? Yes, we do. Uh-huh. 651 641. Donnie is already answering the phone. So All right. We have to finish the number. 1071. We'll be right back.